Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa This evening, I'm going to talk about the five aggregates of clinging. I'm sure you had uh, this talk before, but it bears repeating. Actually, the Buddha <laughs> taught for 45 years, and it is said that he taught four things. Can you imagine? <laughs> He taught four things for 45 years. So don't worry if there's any repetition. <laughs> Feel happy. <laughs> and actually, also, it's a continuation of, uh, of Carol's talk she gave about uh, the noble truth of suffering. In the Dhammachaka Sutta, Dhammachaka Pawatana Sutta, which is the the suit on the setting the will of the Dhamma in motion, it says, now this bhikkhus is the noble truth of suffering. Birth, aging, death, B-A-D, bad news, <laughs> B-A-D. Birth, aging, death, to some people it's bad news. <laughs> Sorrow, lament lamentation, pain, Distress, despair, association with the unbeloved ones, separation from the loved ones, not getting what, what is, uh, not getting one wants, and it says in that discourse, in short, in brief, the five aggregates of clinging are suffering. So that statement seemed to be brief, but my friends, it's not, it's not brief. <laughs> it's really very involved. <laughs> there they say the five aggregates of clinging are suffering. The Pali word is dukkakanda, which means a heap of suffering. <laughs> so you can get it, the picture. <laughs> so what we are... <laughs> We are a heap of suffering, <laughs> a bunch of suffering. In other words, that's how they say here, a bunch of suffering. Now, my exploration today is more actually the application of these five aggregates of clinging in our daily practice, in our life, I don't wish to burden you with the philosophical ideas or kind of academic entertainment here. Though it will sound so, but <laughs> that's not my intention. My intention is to point to you how you can use the five aggregates of clinging for your practice so that you don't cling on to them. That's the intention. 
And in fact, it's the intention of the Buddha, actually. He taught these five aggregates of clinging. Uh, first, what he did is to really put it together. Right? And then he separated it. First, actually, he separated it in different parts, and then he put it together. So if you start separating something in different parts and put it together, so it's more likely that you're going to understand it. So that's what I'm going to do here too, to put it separate and also put it together. Now the first question is, why are they called five aggregates? Do you have any idea? <laughs> why are they called five aggregates? Actually, according to Indian thoughts, five is a complete number. Five is considered to be a complete number. So in other words, you are complete. Though in some areas in our life we say, I'm going to seek for my second half, I think it's very common you say, oh, I'm going to look for my second half. But actually that's the, the language. But really, in a philosophical sense, in psychological sense, you are complete in, in yourself. You can seek other five aggregates, <laughs> but actually you're not half. You're full, <laughs> five aggregates. They are called five aggregates. Actually, one discourse the Buddha talks about the 11 aspects of these aggregates, and I'm going to spell them out for you. One is past, present, and future aggregates. Let's say we take the form for the moment. You, let's say for the, in this moment, you have the, the body, the body. So maybe at around 9 a.m. or even 4 p.m., <laughs> you are not the same. It has changed. Your form has changed, you know, your physical form. The cells are passing away and new ones are coming. In fact, according to science, after 10 years, you are different. You might as well give yourself a different name. <laughs> so me, when I turn 50, I think I'll change my name to Damarakita. <laughs> then I turn 60, Sangrakita. <laughs> I keep on changing our things. Actually, everything changed after 10 years. But leave alone 10 years, every moment you change. So there's the form of the past, let's say, uh, one minute ago. <laughs> and then in the future, maybe uh, two minutes or five minutes now, you are not going to be the same. Even your perception is going to change after this Damatop. Maybe you like the Dhamma talk, or you won't like it. <laughs> so you have maybe unpleasant feelings, future, past. So, okay, we have past, present, future. That's aspect. That's one aspect. And there are 11 of them. So past, one, two, present, three, future. Then also, uh, there's external and internal aspect of these uh, aggregates of clinging. So external, that means within yourself, and uh, external is others. Also, they are called gro gross and subtle. Some elements like a fire and earth element, and air element, that are considered gross. And the water element is considered subtle because uh, it's, uh, uh, it's impingement. Uh, the, the way you see it, uh, it's very easy to um, to see it. So uh, also 
they are called uh, near or far because they are easy to observe, to discern. If they are far, then it's difficult to, to discern. Then also they are called superior or inferior. That means uh, uh, this is any kind of relative sense. Uh, like they say that deities in heaven and realm, some of them are very, they are very superior bodies and others who are maybe in hell, they have inferior bodies. So anyway, this is 11 aspects. It's all philosophical thing, but don't worry about it. Just know that there are 11 aspects of each aggregate. And when you bunch all those together, that's why they're called aggregates. So there's uh, Rupa Kanda, Rupa, Rupa Upadana Kanda. That means the, uh, the form aggregate, which is subjected to clinging. So we cling on to the form, the body. Not only our body, but also the body of others. I have a great respect for the Buddha, actually. He was able to really find out that these five aggregates are, he, are suffering, sub, uh, five aggregates of clinging are suffering. Because he found out that there's also people who have five aggregates. They're not five aggregates of clinging. So the people who have attained enlightenment, they have, they have five aggregates. They don't have five aggregates of clinging because they have already overcome clinging, all of it. So there are five aggregates. They, kill, they eat, they, and they sleep, and all that. So uh, they are, in other words, uh, at peace. But for us, who are not yet enlightened, fully enlightened, our aggregates are called aggregates of clinging. We cling on to them, our form, body, the body of others, and we cling on to it, our feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. We cling on to it. We are going to see that very soon. The way I have a great respect for the Buddha is his ability to really connect uh, all our experience that we go through and connect them with uh, suffering. I say, okay, you know, this experience is suffering. You may not believe it, but once you really get some wisdom, oh, you say you're really suffering. Uh, you really feel it, actually. Even in the midst of happiness, there's always that kind of uh, sense of luck, as uh, Carol said in her beautiful talk. I remember one time I took my five aggregates of clinging to Sweden. No, Switzerland. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I, I spent a, a one month in Switzerland, in Geneva, and the monk there had, uh, promised me that, you know, before you leave, I'm going to take you for a treat. So now, there I, I am, there's a thought planted in my aggregates. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when I was about to leave, I say, you, you promised me to take out for a treat. He said, oh, yeah, let me call a less supporter, the person. And uh, she came and, and said, okay, let's go. I asked him, where are we going? He said, oh, no, it's, it's a treat. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so then we sat in a car. And uh, 
the draw from Geneva and there's a border crossing that goes to France and then we crossed the border there was no inspector but there was no immigration so we, we entered uh, France we went uh, in a hill spot they had good restaurant and they told me they have good food <laughs> and that was my treat before I leave Switzerland so but as I uh, they ordered the meal, it was really wonderful. My, the, my friend, the monk, asked me, uh, by the way, did you bring your passport? I said, no, he didn't tell me that we are crossing borders. <laughs> I thought we were within Switzerland. <laughs> so he told me, you are illegal now. <laughs> You're in a country. <laughs> you are illegal. <laughs> he told me that they are going to go, they, intend, they, they intend to, sh to take me for sightseeing and that border crossing, sure, there's uh, immigration, and they'll ask for my passport. I'm telling you, I was sweating bullets. <laughs> I said, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I said, no, you have to carry your passport. I'm telling you, I didn't enjoy my meal. <laughs> 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 I mean, all people are enjoying their meal, the person who drove us and the monk was enjoying his meals. And for me, I was eating, but there was no. <laughs> I'm telling you, there was that undercurrent that, okay, I have a passport. It's in my room. And now I am there. I'm going to be considered as an illegal <laughs> In France, maybe they're going to take me to jail. That I just went into the country. And lawfully, you know, and I really had all good intention. I didn't go unlawfully uh, to the country, but I was just, uh, I didn't have enough information, you know. So there was that kind of really undercurrent behind me, uh, nagging, you know, oh, you know, there's something wrong is going to happen. So now as we drove back to Switzerland, we uh, actually we took another road and then the border crossing, there was no police. And finally, I was back to Switzerland. I said, wow, I'm very happy again. So now I can say a whole range of unsatisfactoriness, even amidst of the joy of food or eating and all these things. So I think that is a very interesting for me to watch. It was very interesting for me to watch that as I was eating the meal and there was that kind of unsatisfactoriness. So you know that even when you have pleasant feeling, there's some kind of suffering if you really uh, uh, be very mindful of it, you know. So uh, then another experience was uh, when I was in India in 1990. This is uh, also the time I really connected my desire with suffering. That time I didn't know how desire and suffering are connected, but I found a quick link when I went through this experience. I, w I went to India as an exchange student, and I was in a hostel there in Chandigarh, in Punjab, and I read in the newspaper about Shimla. There's a Shimla as a hill spot, and it was winter time, and I, uh, there was uh, like snowfall. They were advertising for snowfall, like I saw the fl flakes like this. I said, wow, that's great. <laughs> I've never seen snow except in a refrigerator in Uganda. <laughs> so I said, what about if I really actually save my money? Because I was on a scholarship. 
and it was only $50 per month. The Indian government was paying for my studies there. So I saved money slowly, very slowly, and uh, it was just enough to go to Shimla, which is almost four hours or five hours by bus. So now here I am, uh, desire to see uh, scenarios, and then I went to Chandigarh. I bought even a small camera. It was a sunny day. And then when I alighted at the bus station, I started walking, and I went to to a field where there's a lot of snow, really tons of it. And there was a lot of snowflakes. And then I started taking pictures of trees with snow. And then I, I asked people to take pictures of me. And I, I removed my gloves. And I, I said, OK, now you see, take pictures. So I removed my jacket. And, and snow was going in my socks and boots and all that. So I enjoyed it. That's a I really enjoyed it. But guess what? After three minutes or so, it was horrible. It was terrible. I nearly screamed. I'm telling you, I had no clue that actually these snowflakes are going to melt. <laughs> Amidst my enjoyment of seeing snow and all the pleasant feeling, I had no clue. I, I don't know how it's even re, re, was superimposed that I had no clue. <laughs> Clueless. <laughs> I got my camera back. I said, no, I'm out of here. <laughs> I got this experience. I'll never learn it in a book, actually. <laughs> this, I've never learned it in a tipitaka. So I learned it through direct experience that actually, when you have clinging or craving, it's like uh, in the United States, we have big shops here, Walmart. There's an advertisement. They say, buy one, get one free. So now when you have all the attachment to the craving, I mean to the aggregates, you buy one, you get free. Free, that means the package, another package is free. You don't have to pay. That's, that's suffering. It's always come together. I was in England, actually, say, I gave, get one for half price. I don't know in Europe what, what it is. But anyway, you know that you get a little bit of uh, uh, reward for your craving, in other words. And you don't have to blame anybody anyway. So it's you who's doing it. So you go from there, you start from there. So this is the Buddha, what he did, connecting craving with suffering, actually. Most people were going through this experience, but maybe there was, there was no connection. It's like even Isaac Newton. Isaac Newton in England, uh, he found this law of gravity. And he just observed, observed, uh, observed the apples falling, you know. But... Even before him, people are seeing apples falling, falling down. <laughs> but nobody saw he, they're falling because of love of gravity. You see? So even uh, during the time of the Buddha, there were people there, philosophers, who actually were going, I mean, experiencing these sensual pleasures and attachment to the aggregates. But we are not connecting that craving with suffering. So really, Buddha helped us to connect so that we can see for ourselves through experience, not only reading about it. So I think that's what I intend to do here, really take you through the experience of uh, really connecting uh, with uh, the five aggregates. Now, the word 
clinging, five aggregates subject to clinging or clinging. It's a very interesting word in Pali. It's upadana. So upa is actually prefix. It means uh, closely touching, closely, very close. And dana, you know dana is generosity, giving, but the adana is taking. So taking closely, that's what it means roughly. Taking very closely. So that's what we do is five aggregates. We take them very closely and we hold on to them like this. And that holding leads to suffering, actually. It leads to suffering, that holding. If we let go of them, we will still have five aggregates and we can accomplish, the, uh, accomplish a lot of things in life. But we are no longer suffering because of our holding on to them. Now, as I told you that uh, it's very, very important to see how these five aggregates of clinging manifest in our practice so that we don't leave them in a book. So let us take a deep breath to begin with to see if these five aggregates in a breath. Okay, take a deep, slow breath. Let go. Can you imagine the five aggregates are there? Can you imagine? I think it's very important because for me, I've seen people who actually get frustrated with the breath. When they're watching their breath, they get frustrated. I've seen people counting the breath as a practice. But very few people I've seen who really are practicing the five aggregates using the breath. When you look at the breath, actually, it's also a material form. That's why the Buddha talked about contemplation of the body in the body. It's this body, and the breath is part of that body. All right, so it's the part of material form. So when you look at the breath, actually, it has the four elements. That's the, f the first aggregate, the, f the mentality or form has what we call the four elements. Actually, there's, there are more, but let us talk about four because there's also der derivative elements and many other things. So let us talk about four, like earth element, fire element, and water element, and air element. So when you breathe, you can see these elements with your wisdom. The movement, you can feel it. You can even try it by doing like this. I like you to put your finger here. Take a deep breath. And breathe in. Breathe out. Okay, now leave it. So now the warmth that you felt touching your nostrils, that's a, that, that's a fire element. Sometimes it's cool, sometimes warm. That's earth element. Then the movement... I mean, that's fire element, the coolness and fire element. Then the movement, as you put the finger here, there was some movement you felt. That's part of air element. So when you practice meditation, you can be aware of the movement. That way, you'll, pract you'll be practicing the five elements, uh, I mean, the five aggregates uh, directly. And then, sometimes there's moisture. Moisture, as you're breathing in, there's moisture. Sometimes there is uh, 
many many things actually uh, you, you can see for yourself but at least this uh, enough examples of the earth element so instead of just counting the breath one two and three four like this of course you can do that when there's restlessness but if you really allow yourself to observe what's going on like touch sensation this touch sensation then you know that this is part of the five aggregates other than saying oh this is theory oh this is academic i cannot understand that you know so but really you you can really tune in near breath and feel the breath and observe the breath in terms of these four elements so that's the form now when you are breathing the, the sensation of the breath can be also pleasant sometimes unpleasant but mostly is neutral that's part of the feeling aggregate feeling aggregate of clinging now there's also perception of the breath as you breathe in and out you perceive this breath you perceive it otherwise you can't really focus on the breath so there's perception as the aggregate there of clinging and then there's attention you have to pay attention to the breath otherwise you cannot watch the breath intention is also there but i'm not asking you to do that otherwise you'll be frustrated so that's part of the aggregate also and then uh, when we become aware of the breath as it changes from time to time that's the aggregate of consciousness so the five aggregates of clinging are there all the time you are breathing all the time and as carol told you the task of the first noble truth is to understand that's the task you have so when you are breathing your task is to understand the five aggregates of clinging the five aggregates you have to understand them to put it in a buddha's teaching one time the buddha asked the monks he said you know in india there are so many religious teachers then the buddha asked the monks when the other ascetics religious leaders ask you why are you living why do you live and uh, holy life under the buddha what are you going to say why are you not under mahavira there are so many religious teachers those days the monks had not nothing to say they did know why <laughs> they live under the buddha precisely they did know but then the buddha told them that it's for the full understanding of what is to be fully understood that's the reason that you live the life the holy life under the buddha and according to that discourse full understanding is very very important to progress on this path and what is to be fully understood is spelled out also it's the five aggregates so uh if you really bored <laughs> when you are watching your breath <laughs> and then you breathe in and breathe out and you don't know what to see in a breath i'm offering you this uh practice so that you can start to discern different elements right different elements different aggregates 
the feeling aggregate, perception, the, uh, the, the volition formations. Awareness, of course, is there. Of course, if you, you d um, you're not aware, you cannot even pay attention to the breath. You'll you be lost. So this is very important. Another exercise. This is about the six senses. The six senses. This is part of the four foundation of mindfulness, actually, in, in case you are wondering where, where all this information is coming from. <laughs> the six senses is part of mindfulness practice. You practice, um, you observe the six senses uh, at the door of, of the six sense door, like uh, at the time of seeing, you become how you're seeing, hearing, tr testing, smelling, touching, and thinking. So this process is what's going on all the time in your life. In fact, beyond that, that there's nothing going on. All what's going on in your life you, is just seeing, tasting, and so on. You can go to the moon, but that's what's going to take place. You can be here. You can see all mental images and all the mo movies and everything that goes through your practice. It's all under these six areas. And those areas of seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, touching, thinking, that all the five aggregates of clinging are involved. Now, because of lack of time, I'm going to illustrate maybe one area, maybe of touching. Probably also hearing, because there's not enough time to go through all the six senses. Because that means six times five, that will be 30. Maybe you'll start wondering whether this talk is going to stop. <laughs> I'll be entertaining myself here, but you might be wondering what's going on here. Okay, let us start with uh, what happens when you're touching. I'd like you to do like this. And then do like this and touch like that. And press a little bit, press a little bit. All right? So when you're touching like this, what's going on uh, is actually, uh, I, you'll be tired, just release, no problem. I don't want to be blamed for <laughs> your tiredness. <laughs> I know your mind can say, Bante, why, are you why, why did you keep us holding? Did you want us to suffer? <laughs> so now that touch, at the moment of touching, you become aware of touching, but all the five aggregates are involved. I got this from Mahasayado. He's actually our grandfather in terms of meditation. <laughs> he brought all these techniques of, uh, to the West, actually. He came to this center, I think, in '79 with my teacher and authors, Joseph, and all other teachers to teach. So he wrote this, and for me, I was really, really happy about this, to read about this, how all the five aggregates are involved, even in, in touching. So anytime you place your foot on the ground, there's a moment of understanding, understanding, if you know. Okay, here we go. So you touch your fingers. So at the moment of touching, the tactile object, all right? And then you are, of course, this, the body, right? They come together. That's part of the material form. That's what we call the, the form aggregate of clinging. Now, the feeling you had, maybe it was pleasant, 
Maybe it's unpleasant. I made this exercise in Nairobi and somebody said it was very unpleasant. You know? <laughs> so it, it, it depends what you think. <laughs> so it may be neutral. I say, why are we doing this? I don't even understand what's going on here. So maybe it's, un, it's neutral, you know? So that's called Vedana. That's a feeling aggregate of clinging. So it's right there. Every time you touch something, whether you touch food, whether you touch everything, the five aggregates are there. Now, the recognition, recognition and remembering to touch, because when I say touch, everybody touched. So you recognized, yeah, there was a recognition and there's a perception there. You perceived it and you touched there. So that's called perception aggregate of clinging. And then there's what we call mental formation. Volition formations. So this is actually exercising the will, the intention, even paying attention to that is part of the mental formation aggregate of clinging. So because there must be intention, the will to bring your fingers together, otherwise they'll be over there. But actually since you made the will, uh, the intention, and then you brought them together. And the just awareness that you're touching, that's the aggregate of consciousness. You are aware that you are touching. So you can see this happens all the time you are touching. It happens when you are hearing. You hear the bell. That's another experience you can apply the five aggregates. Instead of hearing, I don't like it, and you start pushing away experience, you can start explore, exploring the five aggregates of clinging. At the moment of hearing, the ears, your ears, and the sound, sound waves, that's part of the rupa, upadana uh, kanda, that's the part of the uh, materiality, part of the form. And then feeling, the pleasant feeling. Maybe when I rang the bell, you had a feeling remembering your wedding bell. Wow, that's wonderful. It gave you memories, maybe. Maybe it gave you unpleasant feeling because that bell sounds like that wake-up bell when you're still in bed. <laughs> yes, by the way, I tell you what happened to me. <laughs> I went to Burma in 2004 to meditate for two months. Actually, last time I met also Carol was there. Yeah, so I have good memories. <laughs> so, so I went there, and then in the morning straight, the bell rings at 3 a.m. You can know where I'm going now. <laughs> I'm a monk who has been practicing for years. In our morning straight, wake-up time is 4.30. So you can do the math. There's a quite a big difference there. And then the bell ring, tot, 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 tot. I say, what's going on here? How am I going to do a two-month retreat with wake-up time at 3 a.m.? <laughs> unpleasant. The bell is unpleasant. Actually, the bell is the bell, actually. It doesn't know even my reaction. And you can't cut out corners in that monastery. You can't stay in bed, in other words. I'm telling you, it took me almost two weeks to adjust. 
And then after I started practicing, and I needed less sleep, and then I was really cruising with my practice, and then I just loved the bell. <laughs> tot, 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 tot. I said, wow, that's good. I could get that bell and take, them, take the bell to my temple in Uganda. And where do they get this bell? You know, they're made of wood. But the way it sounds is so beautiful. It keeps on increasing the, the, the volume. It's amazing. <laughs> Up to now, I haven't got that bell to Uganda. But it's the same bell ringing. <laughs> really. Before, it was unpleasant. Because I was jet lagged from India, flew there, and then the next day they are telling me to wake up at three. I didn't like it, actually. Jet lagged. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, from when I, I went to that monastery, it, it was funny. <laughs> the Seattle is called Upandita. He knows me. I trained in San Jose, his monastery also. And then when I arrived there from the airport, it was hot, very hot. He told me, you, you are going to go through a crash course and study Vinaya. As I studied it already in California, I said, no, it's not enough. I haven't even rested. <laughs> so now, I said, okay. They managed to take me to the, the monastery. And then when I reached there, they told me the wake-up time is 3 a.m. <laughs> I'm still jet-lagged and tired from the trip, but these things were going on. But it's amazing how things shift. Even the bell can create a lot of pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling. Sometimes it's neutral. So, of course, that feeling is there as part of the attachment. Uh, that, uh, th that feeling, sometimes we can attach to our feelings. It's become uh, Vedana Upadana Kanda. Right? Then there's perception, recognizing that this is a bell ringing. That's part of perception aggregate. Then also exercising your will to listen, to hear. That's part of uh, the Sankara, that's Upadanakanda, that's uh, mental formations, uh, clinging to the mental formations, aggregate. And then just to know that there's that sound. So this is actually applies to all senses, whether you're eating and tasting, thinking, and all this. So I invite you to use this five aggregates in your experience to try to track down, okay, this is hearing. Is there feeling there? Is there awareness? So try to practice also that way. It's an offering. And uh, it can actually sharpen your awareness and understanding fully what you are. So now Buddha spread all these, five, these aggregates uh, and put it apart, but still there is something that the Buddha wanted us to do, is to put them together to see how they fit. Because we know different five aggregates, the form, feelings, perception, but how do they fit together? And once we fit them together, then we know uh, how to practice and to know the nature of the five aggregates. The Buddha told us that we should understand these aggregates in three dimensions. Three dimensions, that's what we need to do to understand these five aggregates of clean. The first one, I call it like first year. You know, when you go to the university, in America it's four years, but in some countries it's three years. So in the first year, it's about 
knowing about the gratification of these five aggregates. The five aggregates, whether they are yours or others, they bring pleasant feelings, pleasant and joy. The Buddha said, no, okay, though it's a heap of suffering, but actually he said that the first thing you have to understand that they bring pleasure and joy. You eat food, it's pleasure. You see something, it, it creates pleasure. Not only in us, but also in others. And what's very interesting, how even we see the other aggregates of clean, they create some pleasure. I, I give you an example yesterday. I don't know whether I'm the one suitable to talk about this, but anyway, I'll go ahead and talk about this. So yesterday we went out for a meal. Somebody invited us for a meal in Mount Holyoke. And if my friends, uh, my Kapia, and one of my friends here, we went together, and they decided to take an ice cream. I said, I'm not going to take an ice cream, but I'm going to enjoy seeing you taking ice cream. Really, honestly, I say, you know, when you go to take ice cream, I'm going to feel a lot of joy. Then we went, and in Amherst, there's a college town, there are many students there. Wow, for me, it was a, a different experience. Seeing yogis walking slowly here and then being in Amas seeing all these wild kids, you know. <laughs> I mean, this town has so many colleges and the, the college student, they're just doing what they, whatever they want. <laughs> One of them had really like polarized glasses, like glasses, and then was really drunk, really stoned. And then uh, I was waiting, my friend, <laughs> This guy was walking like eight, like this. Not like yogis here who are really walking in straight line and go back. <laughs> I said, wow, <laughs> it's quite an experience. <laughs> and this boy said, wow, these two girls are gorgeous. I said, wow. Actually, for me, what I, I wanted, how can he see in these specs, actually? Because, and also was drunk. So I said, wow, look at the five aggregates, actually. And because I was preparing to give this talk. <laughs> so I said, wow, the five aggregates are right there, actually. So then I haven't given this talk, but there's also what we call perception. So I wonder what other people are perceiving, actually, because for him, he was drunk. So actually you know that uh, there is also pleasure. The Buddha said there's pleasure to see other aggregates also of clean. Our aggregates and other aggregates. <laughs> so there's no problem. So unfortunately, this is very unfortunate. Most people don't want to go in second year. They stay in first year. <laughs> they stay only on one level of seeing the gratification. And the entire life is invested into that seeing of only the gratification. In other words, we don't look at another dimension of life. So you need to graduate. <laughs> so you can see you have to go to second year, and then you start to seeing the danger of these five aggregates of killing. You have to see the danger. Most people don't want to go there. <laughs> but you, if you really want to be liberated, you have to see the danger of the five aggregates. 
according to the Buddha, the five aggregates are impermanent, unsatisfactory, and selfless, impersonal nature of the five aggregates. So that's called seeing the danger. Again, this is to help you to practice to let go of the attachment, to loosen, because we are gripping like this. Once we see these areas, the second area, then we loosen because we see something uh, coupled with some kind of suffering, right? And also it's changing a lot. All the time. Buddha gave a sutta called Anatalakana Sutta, it's in Sanyuta Nikaya. And by the time he gave this discourse, all the monks, the, I mean, the six monks had already attained the first level of enlightenment after listening to Dhammachakapawatana Sutta, the discourse on uh, turning the wheel in motion. So they are not yet going further. So then Buddha found out one discourse that took them all the way to enlightenment. And it's called the discourse of non-self. So he took them into a kind of a reflection and meditation. <laughs> he said, is feelings, I mean, this goes to all other aggregates, is feelings impermanent or permanent? The same with the other five aggregates. Then the monk says, no, they are impermanent, venerable sir. And then he continues uh, probing them. Is what is impermanent, suffering or happiness? So then the monk said, oh, venerable sir, uh, what is impermanent is suffering. <laughs> and then he said, he continued, is what is impermanence, suffering, and subject to change, fit to be regarded as I, mine, myself? Then the monk said, no, it's not suitable to do so. Then, therefore, uh, whatever... Hmm? whatever aggregates, whether past, future, and so on, that I told you the 11 aspects, should be seen as really they are. They should be seen as they really are with correct wisdom. You have to have correct wisdom. Wisdom, the Pali word is panya, which means, pa means it's a kind of augmentation, increase, intensifying the word panya. That means seeing, nya, their knowledge or seeing, Seeing in details, we should see in details. To see in details, we need to understand. So, these are the details we should see. Is it, is it impermanent, unsatisfactory, and uh, selfless nature? We should know that this is not mine, this is not I, this is not myself. And when he gave this discourse, the monks attained final enlightenment, arahanship. So this is very powerful. So when I talked last time about depersonalization process, it's not a concept. It's actually practice that you can go through one by one aggregate and find out whether it's really changing. Find out whether it's really changing. Find out how unsatisfactory it is. Find out how it, impersonal it is because it is due, it's due to causes and condition. Every aggregate take one by one, it comes due to causes and conditions. Once you, are, you, you, are, you see that, then you can really come to the conclusion, this is not IMS. Because you, can, you have seen it for yourself. 
these this five aggregates of cleaning are not mine, not I, not myself. And then you will be at peace once you let go the attachment to the five aggregates. Now, we have seen the danger. That's not enough. We need to go to the third year. <laughs> third year, according to the Buddha, you go to the third dimension. The third dimension is escape. That means letting go of the attachment. And the last we have for five aggregates, whether it's ours or others. But before you go to that, we have listened to many talks, actually, about these things impermanent, unsatisfactory, and non-safe. Here's a question. Why are we now still seeing things not that way? We have had talks. I think some of, you, of us here have, talks, have had talks for many years about impermanence, about suffering. Some of us, maybe you say, oh, here we go again. Bant is going to talk about suffering. I've had this before. I've had this before. It's enough, you know. Oh, anata, oh, that's mambo jumbo. There's nothing which is anata. <laughs> it's just mambo jumbo. We, we don't know about that. It's that concept, I suspend it. I don't understand it. So it doesn't make sense to me. We might push away things like this. Now, we have heard these things, but actually it's not so easy. You need practice. You need mindfulness to see impermanence. The gross impermanence, you can see. Trees changing colors. Right? Uh, houses in Massachusetts falling apart. Stones. <laughs> when you walk around here, it's amazing you see all these stones, really. So that's impermanence. But is it enough? Is that knowledge of impermanence, is it enough to knock off your clinging to the five aggregates? Because it's actually observing the impermanence nature of the five aggregates of clinging that is going to knock off the belief in self. But the just seeing all trees, leaves falling, oh, that's impermanence. That's a starting point. That's not enough. You need to understand it directly in your experience. Not through the books. Books give you knowledge only. Give you knowledge. You need to practice. You need to realize this teaching. So it has three aspects. One is theory. Another one is practice. Another one realization. So this teaching, hearing it, you can make songs about it, but if you don't practice it, see it in your experience, in your breath, in your senses, as you are hearing, as you are testing. If you cannot see it from that level, from your moment-to-moment -moment experience, then this is going to be empty words. Oh, the Buddha was smart. <laughs> did he go to Harvard or what? I don't know. How did he figure out this? <laughs> He didn't go even, he doesn't have a PhD. How did he figure out this thing? We're just going to praise the Buddha because he put this thing together for us. And for us, we are not going to experience even an iota of direct experience of impermanence unless we put it in practice from moment to moment. 
Now, I tell you the reason why we are unable to see impermanence because of the continuity of things. Things are so moving very, I mean, the things are moving very, very fast. And that obscures, it masquerades the impermanent nature of the experience. It's like when I was young in Uganda, we used to get fire, uh, a stick like this, and then do like this, around like this in front of our, friend, our siblings, like this, around like this. And it was making this circle, and we are fascinated with the circle. Like this all the time. It looks like one circle like this. But actually, it's because of that continuity, we cannot see impermanence. It's really obscure. We see the whole circle like this. We just don't see one movement after one movement. Even when you're traveling on a road and then you see the sign for detour, you see one bulb doing like this. Actually, those bulbs, are one bulb after the other, they are very close like this. So they are doing it soft, doing this uh, on and off very fast. So actually from far, it looks like an arrow. Eh? It's that continuity. We cannot see one single thing rising and passing away. So from afar, when we are far, we see one thing, an arrow, and then we drive and pass like this. So in our life, we see the things passing very fast. And then we cannot see the impermanent nature of, th of things. That's why even when we have had talks, we still forget about this. Especially when uh, pain arises, uh, aversion arises in our experience. We've got the teacher, you know, oh, you know, I've been angry for the whole day. I'm telling you, you can never be angry for the whole day. That's an absolutely not true. <laughs> Anger is rising and passing all the time. You might want to sustain it, and you sustain it through unwise attention to the theme of irritation, and it keeps going. But really, actually, anger is a mental state. You cannot be angry for the whole day. <laughs> so you are not seeing, in other words, the impermanent nature of anger, the rising and passing out. So because it's continuous, you, with your thoughts of uh, analyze attention to the theme of aversion, uh, irritation, so it seems to be constant. Another thing that why we cannot see really suffering most of the time is change of posture. We change postures, we keep on changing like this, like this, then it's kind of su suffering, uh, maybe bodily, physical suffering is kind of obscured because we're changing posture all the time. That's why I told you, uh, change the posture only when it's absolutely necessary. But if you keep on doing like this, like this, like this, you, you will never really see and understand what suffering is all about. And it's through understanding that we get liberated. It's not through dodging suffering that we really be happy. This is, goes against the way we think, actually. It's through understanding, then we can let go, and then we can be liberated. So understanding is very important, not dodging it, right? Of course, as I say, don't sit into pain, but you change when it's necessary and watch the, the mental state behind it. So that's very important. Then why are we unable to see a non-self selfless nature of the experience. Things look like so solid, solidity of this, like the body itself, it's so solid, but actually, when you, this, even science, they found out it's 99% 99, 99 space. 
right? 1% are cells. So we have made of all these cells and we look so solid. No wonder when we start teaching about selfless nature, say, no, 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 no. I'm solid. I've been seeing myself for the last 40 years. <laughs> so it obscures that uh, the, this notion that there's really no core. Everything, our body's changing. One cell you keep on multiplying, another one, all, all our cells are multiplying. Eh? And they are also depending on food, other conditions. They come all together for making what you call your body. So there's no core, this, this impersonal nature of the, the form and feeling. All of those things are really conditions. They come due to cause and condition. The body it is conditioned by food. Feelings are condi conditioned by touching. You must have a touch. Like I touch like this, there's contact, then feeling arises. So they're conditioned. So this is not just empty words, but things to think about it. Okay, lastly, I want to talk about escape. Escape comes through understanding, through understanding the above. Then you graduate. Third year, you graduate by escaping through letting go of clinging to the five aggregates. Friends, I think this is enough for now. <laughs> I don't want to cause spiritual indigestion. Please let us sit for a moment or two. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.